the Counter Press Podcast. I am your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me tonight is Josh Cacho, who would never clear an Olympico from his own teammate out of the opponent's goal. He would never do I that. I mean, that, that's our that's LAFC's best player, Jackson Euler, you're talking about. So put respect, some respect on his name. <laughs> he's either scoring him, goals he's... in his team's goal or clearing them out of the opponent's goal. Yeah. I mean, if, oh, if I never, we, never if we don't have to see him anywhere near the U.S. men's national team for a long time, I'll be very happy. Oh, you are you are so wrong, my friend. Greg Berhalter is here to stay, and he's going to keep calling in Jackson Yule anytime he needs. You know, that's like his uh, break break glass in, in case of emergency player is Jackson Yule. I thought that I was. Ho- I mean, I was okay with with that becoming. Zardes right at this point because you yeah. know given yeah. the lack of a you know lack of striker kind of kind of fully coming into their own you know Pepe looks promising but none of the other guys have kind of seized the moment um, you know Zardes is one of those guys that you're okay hanging around right um, yeah. just because he gives you good minutes he doesn't cheat you of effort those types of things but yeah. that's beside the point <laughs> maybe we should talk a little bit of USMNT at the end of the of the show but um because I definitely have some thoughts. Um, but we came here tonight to talk about LAFC. Another win. Two in a row, Josh. Three to two over RSL. Um, some really interesting goals like all around. I feel like every single goal is something to highlight here. Um, do you want to take a swing at any of these? Yeah. I mean, I think the first one is probably, right, it was one that we can start with, obviously. But... Um, the ball from Bryce Duke, right? Just kind of to open things up. Like mm-hmm. he, he's, he definitely feels like that again in, in the current, in the formations that we've been playing, right? Where Sifu is not quite a true 10, um, mm-hmm. having a guy in there who's just, you know, again, which is somewhat of a, a bit of a luxury position at this point, who can thread a ball through with the right pace, with the right, you know, with the right weight on it um, to find the foot of a, a defender is something that we haven't seen in quite a while. Yeah. Right. And so just to kind of have that in your back pocket when you need it, um, you know, obviously Vela does it, but a little bit differently because he usually comes off the wing as opposed to picking up in the middle of the park and then driving forward. Plus he's a little bit more, he's got a little bit more nose for a goal than, than Duke does, right. In terms of like what mm-hmm. he's usually looking to do. So just to have a guy who just is content being a pure distributor, um, from that position, you know, a little bit, you know, obviously, and, you know, for as good as that to us is, I haven't this whole year where even when he's been playing forward, you haven't seen him hit that that ball, right, the way that yeah. Duke has the last couple games, yeah. right? So definitely something to look, um, you know, to look at moving forward. Obviously, you wonder, you know, by, at the end of the day, where does he kind of slot into the grand scheme of things, right? Because I have to imagine that, again, I mean, when when you're fully stocked and healthy, right? Sifu is probably the one that slides back. If you, if you say if you stay in the formation, right? Sifu is likely the one that's uh, actually probably Rodriguez, right? Would be the one that would play under or like a th- in that. I think they move probably more, closer to our three four three, where Rodriguez is kind of driving from underneath with Vela and and Arango up top. I mean, Arango likes to drop in quite a bit anyway, so. It leaves gives Vela a little bit less to work on, um, but yeah, I mean, um, but for now, like I said, given what we're working with and given, you know, what 
what we don't have available to us, right? It's been a, it's been he's been definitely been a bright spot, um, you know, in addition to the other guys that have been contributing. Yeah, um, everybody knows it's no secret at this point that I love this kid. Um, the the quality that he possesses is something that um, you don't see a whole lot. And I, I, can, I hope that he continues to develop and that he ends up where you and I think his ceiling is because he's going to be spectacular for a few years for LAFC and then move on to something bigger. But one of the things that I like most about him, and I think what makes him so effective, is his instinct to get behind the midfield and in front of the back line. So this is what we talk about when we mention like, oh, he plays really well in between the lines, right? Um, so when you see Atuesta pick up that ball, he goes on a full sprint running off of Atuesta to get behind all the midfielders and right in front of the defenders. Atuesta gives him the ball. He d- continues driving into that open space. Uh, and yeah, that final pass is right on the money to Musovski. Justin Glad gets over in time, gets a foot to it. But by then, Christian Arango is caught up and takes it off of Glad and puts it in the back of the net. So Duke in that kind of like number 10 role in the midfield is, is something that I think has really helped to unlock this offense. And I, like you said, I I don't know how it all works out in the future because I don't think we're going to continue to play in a three, five, two. Um, when everybody gets back, I think it could be fine. Again, I think, I still think you can play Rodriguez out where you had him, uh, where you had Edwards that is. Uh, but, they're not going to do that. They're going to. They're not going to put him at wing back. Um, so I. I don't know. You could go four two three one. I suppose. Um, if you wanted to continue to use Duke in a in a ten roll and Janela and Atuesta look great in a double pivot together. So, um, when they're both in that kind of holding midfield role, I feel like it really gives the team a lot of stability and they're able to get the ball forward really well. So I. I, I don't know what they're going to do but it's hard to imagine yeah. Bryce Duke coming off the field, even if it is for blessing and in, in that kind of anti 10 spot. Yeah, I mean, it's a good, it's definitely a good problem to have. Right. And I think the, as it pertains to Bryce Duke, right. It's, it's generally been the lack of physicality. That's probably going to be the one thing that keeps him off yeah. versus keeps him on. Right. Um, especially when, like I said, the guy that's been playing his position has been Sifu. Right. And if Janela yeah, can, you yeah. know, so the the question is, if if you want to continue to play Janela in the double pivot, right, then Sifu's going to go ahead. If you pull Janela mm-hmm. off the field, right, which leave, which at that point you lose some of that passing. Um, right. And, and then a little bit of Sifu's physicality in the press. Right. Again, it, it, you're you're running into issues where, you know, you're you're going to have to figure out what. Yeah, it's like pick your poison, right? It's like what given given the limitations that this team has at this current point, right? What are we most willing to sacrifice, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Because again, I don't think we have enough stability at the back, right? Even though they've played real, you know, really well as of late, right? To continue to run out certain lineups, um, you know, moving forward, especially you know, said, do we do we trust a, a, a four man back line? That consists of Fall, Mario, Palacios, and Kimun One. Like not no, in a heartbeat defensively. Yeah. Right? You know, like I said, and and for as as much 
Guff as we give blessing for what he then what he done at at right back in the past. I mean, he defensively he's miles ahead of where Kim Moon Wan is. Yeah, yeah. Right. So at that point, you know, you have to kind of look at it and, and kind of figure out, okay, what's you know, is it the offense that we're going to kind of put more onus on and then kind of just kind of try to keep some stability at the back? Or do we do are you gonna run something where you're in a in a four three three or a four two three one and then have um Latif kind of play that Kyle Walker role where he pinches in and just becomes a part of the midfield from right back. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean those are all different options um that they're gonna have to look at and you know again it kinda just depends on on ultimately what you know obviously the matchups for one um you know because i think if you're playing against you know some of that mid to lower end teams in major league soccer right playing the lineup you did tonight is probably perfectly okay um but when you're getting in against some of the you know the seattles or the new england's of the world right you're going to have to change a few things up there and kind of look at okay what is there something we have to do differently yeah so, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see as all the international players get worked back in completely, what what Bob tries to do with the squad. Uh, I, I really, given the way this year has gone and the different players that have broken out at different times, it's hard to, it's hard to even really speculate because it's not like, you know that he wants to play a 4-3-3 still, but um, it's hard to see how all the pieces fit at this point unless you just go back to what wasn't working at the beginning of the year. Um, so it seems counterproductive to do that. Um, let's see the, uh, next goal that happens is, uh, an equalizer from Demir Krylak. Another, another, he scores another worldie on us. Mamadou fall gives up a ball on like a kind of a lazy pass and then doesn't really defend all that with all that much, uh, what, what's the word I'm trying to think of here? Uh, like with any sort of. I don't know why the word's coming to me in Spanish, but Prisa, right? Uh, he, he's, uh, he's, what's the word I'm looking for, Josh? I'm like falling all over myself right now. Uh, I mean, urgency. Like, he's he doesn't defend with any urgency. Right? My goodness. Uh, sorry, everybody. Um, so he just kind of jockeys into the box. This is what we've been on Kim Moon Wan about, right? Where as soon as that defender's at the box, you gotta, you gotta try and put in a challenge. Uh, he doesn't ball goes to cry like at the top of the box and he just he bangs one in um not much you can do about it after you give up all that space to cry lock but come come yeah, get I mean, your I boy think, josh i mean <laughs> i i yet yeah, i i will say like it's not not his brightest moment but we expect it right yeah given, he's a kid given he's a kid given his his experience all these different things mm-hmm. right like you know if 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 one mistake in how many games he started now four, mm-hmm. right? I mean, in in the games that we've played, we've had so far, he's had less mistakes than our 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 starting center back Mario has had, yeah. and he's, you know, he's in won the same amount of time, also, right? Absolutely, yeah. and so you know, again, I'm at that moment, right? And especially with the way, I mean, again, there's the way that Karlak struck that ball, no one's getting to that thing, right? So I mean, it's just a sweet hit. And unfortunately, you know, like I said, it's like, you know, you'll, you'll see, you've seen him do a couple of these things where he kind of just tries to use his at length and athleticism to his advantage rather than actually close down. And I think that's something that he's going to have to fix because yeah, I think yeah. still there, 
I think he can still be bullied a bit, right? Just because he's not, he just doesn't throw, he doesn't have the weight to throw around. Um, and so, like I said, what he tends to do in in absence of that physicality is to kind of just throw a limit in, and it had worked at times, yeah. but in that instance, right, with with a with that kind of quality of a strike, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. Um, or, I mean, you're going to have to do better than throwing a limb out, right? You know, mm-hmm. like what you did, there's not, you're not going to be affected at nearly as much as you're going to, you know, you really wanted to. Mm-hmm. All right. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, you know, he's a kid. It's tough to fault him too much for it. They, RSL equalizes. Um, LAFC goes on to score again. Um, I don't remember exactly how this, if it was like a, a counterattacking opportunity, Atuesta ends up on the ball. Bryce Duke runs. Uh, makes a run in behind, gets the ball, holds it up for Atuesta. Atuesta puts in like this lofted left-footed cross, and Arango is able to flick it on to the far post for another goal. So it's great to see not only LAFC scoring twice in a half, but scoring in different ways. Um, but it's it's always those same those same three that are involved in all the danger, right? Atuesta, Duke, and, and Arango are the ones that are that are creating all the danger. Um, in this game. So Bryce Duke did, did have a bad giveaway on the final goal from RSL. He kind of tries to play this little one-time pass over to, not to Weston. It's picked up by, I think it was Rusnak that picked it up and fall. And uh, Vin, uh, Max was saying Ibeaga, Ibeaga for, uh, so I'm going to go with that. They were kind of like split wide open and Julio got him behind. It was over. But uh, we ultimately went on one of the weirder own goals that you will ever see as David Ochoa is left (laughs) (laughs) scrambling as his teammate plays it behind him as he's running out to like collect a a, a little back pass from him. But I feel like every year, I would say every year that I watch Major League Soccer, one of these just happens to happen with the like a, just a complete gaff between the defender and, and yeah, the keeper, yeah. right? I mean, you had that one where Sean Johnson tried to pick it up with both hands and it just kind of went through his legs that that one year, <laughs> right? You know, and I think San Jose had a pretty bad one at one point as well. I you know, think that so was I, against again, us, right? Uh, oh no, was it? Vega is it Vega? Is that the guy's name? It was Vega at the time. I guess yeah. he gave it. Up. He gave a goal up to Vela, right? He like had a ball that like squirted out like a tomato seed behind him or something like that, and Vela yeah. walked it. In, I mean, but... again, I think it's that. And then you had the one. There was one where I think the goalie was clearing it and it just bounced off Christian Ramirez, right? So, you know, <laughs> again, these, I, it's major league soccer, man. Like that's really all yeah, I can chop yeah. chop it up to. It's just like. You know the these things happen. You know, especially when you when you're again more often than not, right? Your money is not spent at the back; it's spent yeah, in, yeah. on your front line, and those are the results you're going to get. Unless you're, you know, like I said, you're a Philadelphia or or Seattle or who are in these people that that tends to develop a lot better through the academy mm-hmm. and have guys that can actually play. You know, I, I, you know, or in the you know, like what is it um, with New England, right? Kessler was a good pickup in the draft, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, again, but when you're looking at those teams, there's a reason why those, those teams lead, you know, lead the, the, the standings at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously on this one, I thought it was funny that it's a, it's a pass into Musovsky's feet and he just miscontrols it. And that's what causes the recycle. 
and David Ochoa comes out, he should be communicating with his defender, but the defender should also, when I, whenever I coach kids or anybody to recycle the ball, it's always, Hey, if it's going back towards the goal, you better make sure that that guy is in place. Otherwise you play it off the face of goal in case this happens. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's one where Iguieja hit one back too, and, and Maria was coming across the face of goal. It freaked me out for a quick second, but yeah, you know, again, yeah. like I said, the way, the way, you know, trying to play from the back with guys that probably aren't, you know, don't have the skill level to do. I mean, again, you, you go, go to the Premier League and there's only a handful of guys that can truly do it in the way that you're comfortable with. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Or, I mean, it's, granted, or it's with the pace team. of play there is so much faster too. So, yeah. You know. But you're doing it with guys that have, you know, that you're paying, you know, DP times two money, right. To yes. do it. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, it's, I'm going to, I'm going to cut some slack for the, for the defense, but especially in this case, because he scored a goal for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So three to two win. Um, overall, again, they, they looked good for the second week in a row. They looked dangerous. I think it has mostly to do with the arrival of Chicho Arango and somebody that can truly poach and get into dangerous positions and actually capitalize um, and finish, and as well as a midfield that looks creative all of a sudden. Uh, and I think that has as much to do with personnel as it does the 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 shape of the team on the field. Um, yeah, you're just I mean, getting I a still, lot more. Go ahead. I mean, are, are you still seeing that same kind of? formation where they're kind of pinching in the wingbacks and letting letting um because atwest is pushing up so high right from that pivot yeah as, as and and you kind of have like a weird stack where it's like i think you're you know you have your three at the back and then i feel like you form another another line of three with the two wingbacks and um janela and then you have atwesta and duke kind of playing ahead yeah, yeah. you know with with a like right that kind of type of thing yeah mm-hmm. you know um, but that's kind of what gives you that flowing that flowing front three that we're starting to see right with yeah. those guys kind of moving around with each other mm-hmm. so yeah i mean what i'm seeing is you know in this in this setup janela is the one that hangs back and atwesta is playing more as you know these numbers are kind of meaningless at this point but He's playing more that eight role, right? Drive the ball forward, um, and your Duke is running off of him, and he has a two forwards ahead of him. Um, so, I mean, I guess you could call them a six, eight, and a ten in that in that manner if you really wanted to get specific on it. But I do think maybe a three, four, one, two is a better way to describe this because the wingbacks aren't always getting far all that far forward, and so uh, even in the press, do you see, you know, if it's I don't know what the triggers are right now in this formation, but a lot of times, like if the camera pans over to the RSL half, all you see are the two strikers and Duke on the end and everybody else is back. So um, they aren't getting far, all that far forward. And I do think that enables Atuesta to get forward a little bit more frequently and um, whenever he feels like going and it's, it's yeah. paying off because with Duke running off of him, because Duke makes good runs, unlike other midfielders that we've had this year, um, it really disrupts the back the the back line of of the opponents. Yeah, and I will say, like you said, like 
Edwards and Blessing have provided some just good defensive stability, you know, in that middle. Like they because they they close down so hard on that second ball, right? So yeah. I think when you see like a lot of what you see is like you were saying, like that that front three of of Arango, Musovsky, and, and Duke are the only ones that are kind of putting pressure. And when that ball's lofted forward, you'll see, you know, like you said, then you'll, you'll kind of have that that ball that's headed down or flicked on, whatever. And immediately that's when Edwards and Blessing are closing down, right? Yeah. And the yeah. one time that the wings back, the wingbacks did get forward, Atuesta let Moon have it, right? Because again... <laughs> I don't like, know that I've ever seen any LAFC player go after another LAFC player like that. I, I honestly oh. cannot think of another example. Not that one would jump to the top of my head, but Atuesta was livid yeah. with Moon over that play. Well, I mean, again, I think in that at that point, you have to understand the, the, the circumstances, right? Yeah. Like, there's zero awareness from Moon in terms of, like, why are you making that run forward given given the situation, right? You're up, you're up a goal with not the greatest, you know, like, well, not the greatest track record of, of finishing games off. Right, and then you're going to go screaming forward, regardless if the opportunity presents itself. Yeah. Right, but even then, it doesn't seem like that. That ha- it doesn't seem like that has been the the you know like the tactic of the wingbacks as anyways this whole game. Right, yeah. cheeky got a little for, a little got forward every now and then, but really it's only when when, when the wingbacks get forward, it's when the Arango was dropping in. Right, they're, so they're, there's the, a, there's they're the, the late runners, right? So the right. midfield pushes mm-hmm. and then like they a lot of times what LAFC will do is they'll play like from Atuesta to uh to a fullback in the four three three, right? What these what they're doing more now is using Atuesta and and Duke and even Janela to a certain extent to drive the ball into the opponent's half. And then you see the wingbacks getting forward to provide width to like you always talk about stress them horizontally, right? Mm-hmm. Um and I mean, to the point about Moon's run, I just I just talked about Bryce Duke making hard runs and how that disrupted defense. I'm okay with him honestly making the run, but when Chicho's on the ball, like you're not always going to get it, dude. You're a fullback. Like a number nine isn't going to give you the ball just because you made the hard run. So because you're a fullback, you have to know that. Look, I'm I might not get this ball. I'm going to make the run because it's the right thing to do to help the team. I probably should have got the ball, but I can't just stand there with my hands on my hips and throwing a, throwing a fit and not getting back as soon as we turn the ball over. So I think for me, that's if, if you had to ask me what it is that Atuesta is screaming about, is like, dude, you have to get back. If you're going to make that run, you have to get back immediately to help us defend. Because like you said, it's three to two and RSL's threatening, right? They had plenty of chances in that second half to equalize again. So... Man, I, th- it was bad. But it's like you always say: he gets forward and then has no awareness to get back. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't, I don't know. That that was that was pretty blatant to me. Yeah, especially because I think when, when especially in contrast, the Latif, who yeah. is the king of getting back, right? Even when he probably doesn't need to be or shouldn't be, yeah. right? Like, yeah. like even when he was playing, when he's in the midfield, how often do you see him tracking back? You know, into our own box. You know, getting yeah, in the, the way, doing different things. Up, yeah, yeah, absolutely, right. And again, like you'll see Moon kind of come across the face of goal on a, on a you know on a late run or whatever every now and then. But again, it's not it's not in this to the same degree nor with the same intensity that you get from Latif. And given 
what you're getting from, and I think I talked about this a while ago, right? That um, that I feel like Moon has become redundant in the in the in the on the team because again, if if your front three is creating, you don't need to push fullbacks, right? Mm. You know, and like you said, and unless you're playing against a parked bus, right? But we're not really seeing that the way that we used to before. Right where where you know you had you would see you know six at the back or whatever we may trying to just stop Carlos Vela, right now like people are trying to defend us with three, right so you know or two or whatever it may be, um, but you don't you know so him pushing forward again I, I I don't I don't see the necessity of it when you're when you're you know when you have Arango Duke. And and Atuesta dealing the way that they are, right? I feel like yeah, yeah. now it's more those guys can, like I said, can do the dirty work, you know, the way that you know. Like I said maybe if you know, again, if you're a Liverpool, right, and you're playing against a parked bus and your front three can't penetrate, then you have to bring those fullbacks forward. But again, when they push those some numbers forward, the 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 midfield's flattening out. While our midfield is pushing up super high and getting into the half space, yeah, yeah. So again, that run doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, to me, at least at that point, because I think, you know, again, it 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 crowds things and it kind of kills the spacing a little bit, you know, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think obviously Moon has looked the most effective when he's there with Vela, and I think it has a lot to do with the fact that you have this inverted winger who is uh, a fantastic threat from the half space. Um, so when you try and double up on him with a fullback and a center back and moon gets so far forward, he is a good attacker that you had that fullback now has to respect moon as well. Right. So it either opens it up for Carlos or it opens it up or it opens it up for moon. Uh, and like you're saying, I don't think it, I don't think it really affects the other team in the same way. If, If you're working out of a two striker set and midfielders are now filling in those half spaces where, you know, Bryce Duke is not the same threat that Carlos Vela is, right? Just from the fact that one's left-footed, one's right-footed. It's not going to be the same type of combination. So, I don't know. Like I said, it's it's encouraging to see these wins in different formations and with different parts. It'll be interesting to see as we push towards the playoff who it is that sticks and who's going to be the the true threat and how they're all going to work together. So Bob uh, is seeing some results now and it'll be interesting to see how he positions the team so that they continue to see those results. But anything else from the night, Josh? No, I mean, I think the, I think I said, I think the biggest theme is like, obviously it's great to come away with a win, but the more interesting thing to think about moving forward, right. Is how it, how it comes together, right? Especially if Carlos Vela comes back, because I don't know if you can continue to play the the way that you are when he comes back, right? And then how does he fit alongside Arango? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then and again, where does where does when Sifu and you know fully you know fully returns and Rodriguez for that matter? How do you kind of you know put those puzzle pieces together to kind of find something? Because we've seen us try to fit guys into a system that didn't quite fit everyone and the lack of results that came with it right yeah. in the last few years trying to kind of put put that front three of Vela, Rodriguez and Rossi together 
And so I think you've, you've found someone in Arango who's a clinical finisher that does the things that you need to, you know, he has skill on the ball, um, you know, that all kind of falls in line with the type of striker that we, you know, that I think Bob has been craving for all this time, right. In terms of the runs he makes and these, you know, his hold up play actually is excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's something that needed to be noted, you know, um, but, Again, how does that fit with, you know, is he going to be able to make the same runs when Carlos Vela is dominating the ball? Is he going to be happy if Vela is dominating the ball on the wing? You know, is Rodriguez going to be able to be effective if he can't, if he's not on it, right? Because yeah. I think we saw yeah. him most effective when he's kind of the man on that left-hand side and he can deal and he can do his thing out there. But obviously right now, like we're not getting the same thing. We may or may not get the same thing from, you know, from that combination moving forward. I don't know. Like I said, it, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Yeah. I think if Tristan Blackman is out with this adductor strain, um, you put blessing it right back and it helps you get your best 11 on the field in that manner. Um, and I think like you were saying, you go with some combination of Atuesta, Janela, or Atuesta, Sifu and, and Duke. And I mean, the front three basically picks itself based on salary alone. So um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how all that works. But all right, let's get into some questions here. We actually have quite a few tonight. So people are people are hyped about finally winning some. All right. First one, the shoe at Paul T. Greco. Are we making the playoffs? Maybe. Maybe. Are we better without Rossi and Vela now? Josh? I mean, I think... I think you've, I don't know if better, I don't, I'm not sure you can be better without your best players, right? Mm-hmm. But I think you can make things work given the, I mean, a, a good teams can, can win in spite of not having them available. Yeah. Right. Um, I think with, with Rossi, I think it, with Rossi gone, Rodriguez definitely becomes a bigger part of things because I think mm-hmm. we've, we've kind of seen, that they were a bit, you know, and we've talked about this before, how redundant those two guys are kind of in the way that they, the yeah. way and style in which they play. Um, Did you and catch so what I think, Bob said in his interview about Rossi and Rodriguez when Rossi left? I didn't. He was asked if they were good, if they were best friends or whatever, like close friends. And he goes, ah, I wouldn't really say that they were too close. And I was like, yep. <laughs> like, duh. Like, Rodriguez was supposed yeah. to take a spot. And, you know, yeah. as childish it as it like, is that he would hold a grudge, like, there it is. Yeah, it feels like Rosie was closer to Janela than anyone else. Probably. Because right, yeah. it yeah. seems like those, that was the guy that you always kind of see, see him with right at times. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it makes, it's, it's interesting, right? Because kind of see, like, how, how some of the, how a lack of a move kind of set in motion some a bunch of things moving forward right yeah and yeah. kind of kind of derailed things for for the time being so you know i wonder right is can you play a, a back four right of i don't know if edwards is the right guy right it may be it may need to be farfen right just given given he provides a little bit more defensive stability mm-hmm. um uh but you play a back four of farfen Fall, Mario, and Blessing, right? You let Blessing pin in. You put Blessing in in the Tyler Adams Burhalter role where he pinches into the midfield, 
right? Oh boy. And let him sit in a let him sit with Janela deep. And then mm. you have basically Atuesta and Sifu pushing forward, right? And then ahead you're gonna have the front three of Rodriguez, Arango, and Vela, you know. And then if, if Vela's not available, then it's then it's Duke, in my opinion, underneath yeah. those two guys. Hmm. Right. It's interesting. I don't thought. know. Yeah. I don't like, know. Because again, it gives you it gives you Latif, you know, Latif's defensive stability, which he seems to be perfectly content just being a destroyer at the moment. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you don't really see him have you know, he he does this thing where he gets on the ball and then he's getting rid of it and then he's getting back to the position. Right. It's not the, the Latif that used to pick it, you know, to do that and then try and drive and then lose it. Right. You have yeah. guys that that you know, because you know, I think the one thing you see differently, right, is like in the past when you had guys that needed to make a turn in midfield, right? It used to be K, it used to be Blessing, and neither of those guys have great first touch off that ball, mm-hmm. right? But now, or positioning, now, like what I talked about with yeah. Duke, like they, their positioning between the lines was never all that great. Mm-hmm. But if it's Sifu or Atuesta, right, or Duke. Either of those, all three of those guys are comfortable, you know, being able to play, pick up a ball from either Blessing or, or Janela and then make a turn. And then at that point, yeah, that's what seems yeah. to be unlocking things. Like, it's like, you don't have that, that ball that used to just bounce off of people. You know, you know, I remember we talked about it all the time with like, K would pick, you know, he would pick up that ball on a somewhat of a bad touch and just fire it in trying to find yeah. something, but it oftentimes just ricocheted and then gets you put you in a bad spot, right? Where now, like we were talking about before, I think you mentioned this with Sifu when he first, you know, when he was kind of having his coming out party was that he he's more willing to drive that ball into open space. Right. He's, be, he's a lot better at terms of reading, reading the room, right. Reading the field, seeing like, OK, do I have that opportunity to run, you know, or do I have that room to take up the space? And if I do, awesome, I'll take it and then make the pass versus, yeah. you know, trying to thread it every single time, regardless of what the situation was. Hmm. So what you're saying is you play a 4-3-3 that in possession looks kind of like the old WM formation, right? Like a three box three type of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Normally I don't like the, again, this is what Burhalter was running at the very beginning. Um, again, we'll save the USMNT chat for a little bit later in the show, but, um, to the my only problem with the box midfield is if your midfielders aren't mobile and I don't mean that they're capable of running I mean that they actually do uh then it tends to look really stagnant which has been a problem for LAFC uh but like you said if it's Sifu Janela or Sifu Janela Duke and Blessing those are guys and Atuesta that is then those guys are going to be all over the place they're not going to be mm-hmm. sitting around doing nothing so um yeah, it, it, that could you be could, it. You, t- even even tonight, you kind of see him operating in somewhat of a diamond, right? Like Edwards is the one yeah. that pushes forward, yeah. but Blessing just kind of pinches in and is content to sit, you know, and and break break up play, you know, and just in front of the back three next to Janela, and so yeah. that's why I wonder, you know, like I said, if if when if and when Vela returns, right, you know, then do you have that option there of doing that, and then you know, still have that ability to say, okay, if Vel's not ready, you can play Duke there, no problem, and then just let Arango and, and Rodriguez run ahead. Yeah. And you yeah. basically have Duke and Atuesta feeding those guys, and I'm okay mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. 
And I mean, the, the thing about the WM is then you have your midfielders or whoever it is, is in the half space already. There's no need for the fullbacks to get forward because you have an attacker in all five verticals. All right. Next one, AK Griff at Griff Nam TV. My Liverpool one, my 49ers one, and my LAFC one. And I'm going to do something here on the show that's going to be great for radio, but, uh, and by great, I mean terrible. It is a Ric Flair gift. So everybody in your cars, three, two, one, make the sound go. All right. Now that you got all your woos out of your system, Josh, you're a Liverpool fan. Uh, I don't think you're a 49ers fan, but no, you're, you're an LFC fan. So two out of three there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Liverpool looked good today. I mean, like, unfortunately, Harvey Elliott dislocated his ankle and is going to be out for a while. But yeah, that means that your midfield is Thiago, Jordan Henderson, and Fabinho. I mean, again, it's it's what it a lot okay. of money gets you. <laughs> yeah, and you still have, you still have Oxlade Chamberlain and Naby Keita coming off the bench. Um, yeah, so yeah. they're, they're going to be just fine. And you know, again, they're starting to click. Salah scored his hundredth goal um, with the team already. I think in what four years. It's absurd. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, like I said, I think, you know, and then football wise, I don't know. Well, I, I can keep, I can go on. Cause again, the, the landscape of the NFL is interesting this year. Uh, yeah. Cause I think there's a lot of moving pieces and a lot of guys who think they know what they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. and you know then, who doesn't know what he's doing? Hmm. Kevin Stefanski going toe to toe with the back to back AFC right? champs today. So, you know, again, that's why I said it's, it's, there's a lot of these, these young bucks coming through and, you know, they, they got an idea of how to do things and, you know, it'll be interesting to see who kind of claws their way to the top. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next one, Somber Amarath at Somber Amarath. That was dicey. We were lucky to come away with three points. If RSL don't make that colossal mistake, we end up dropping points. It has to be better going forward. The long passes without a specific direction need to stop. We see we need to play with composed aggression. I do agree that I'm not sure we would have scored again uh, had they not given us that goal. There were a few chances created at the end, but uh, looked like a lot of the guys were tired and kind of. And it's tough because they're not chasing a result at that point. They're trying to sit on a result, so it's tough to say like exactly what the game state would have been if they were you know, drawn at the 80 at like the 80th minute. But um, I do agree that RSL made a colossal mistake. We kind of went over that. Josh, you got anything on this one? Yeah. I mean, I think Arango had a chance that he probably should have buried earlier in the game for his hat trick. Right. Or maybe it was, it should have been for his second at the time that he eventually got, mm, but there's one, okay. he kind of had it on the left wing. I think. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. And he played with his about left how foot. He, yeah. Mm-hmm, he kind of looked, Look, he like he kind of wanted to give it up, um, but then ultimately decided to take it. But just it had nothing behind it. Um, I think that that's. I think when Vela returns, the one thing that you want to see from Arango is to continue to be goal dangerous, yeah. right? Or yeah, or that should still need that still needs to and has to be his primary goal, yeah. not to be a setup man. So yeah. I think too often with with how this team plays is they tend to defer far too much to Carlos Vela as opposing to play with Carlos Vela. Yeah. Going back to Paul's question, right. About are they better without Vela? I think they play as a better team without him um, at the moment. 
now, if they can figure out how to integrate him again as part of that team, then it'll push him over the top again. But do yeah. um, you want to know how yeah, I, guess. I know that shot was bad, Josh? Hmm. I was up in my kitchen. I turned around for a second, and I saw Arango take that left-footed shot that goes across the face of goal, and I thought, Ah, Musovsky, why are you? Why do you do the things that you do? Because <laughs> I feel like he takes so many of those that that come across the face of goal. And I was like, oh, oh, that was Chicho. Whoops! Like, <laughs> so the fact that I thought it was like this Musovsky miscue lets you know how how poor of a shot it really was. But yeah. yeah. But apparently, according to Max Bertos, Musovsky is one of the fastest players in Major League Soccer. Did not know that, nor do I believe it. Um, I don't believe that for but, a second. Yeah said like uh, when you like measure the actual speed from like like on a line he's like one of the fastest players so like if league. you had them all run a 40 yeah he'd be one of the top apparently this is where <sighs> analytics gets you into trouble he always he always looks slower than the defenders he looks slow to the ball he looks slow on the ball uh he can't like take a step and get through people like or take a touch and then step through people like i don't know so Something something's running slow there, and if it's apparently not his feet, it's something else. But man, that's interesting. I'd like to see the data on that one. But all right, next one, Justin thirty three W at Justin thirty three W. Happy with the W. I, I need to stop saying W right now. Pros, Chicho is on fire. I kind of like the Atuesta uh, Janela double pivot. We talked about that. If that's what you can call it, I think you can. Cons do can follow our kids, and we have to remember that. Again, happy with the, I'm going to say win this time because I'm not saying the letter again. Uh, Josh, anything on this? Yeah, I mean, I think, like I said, there's those moments we talked about with fall, right? You know, but, you know, for, for you know, so like there's that, that extra time slogan to play your kids for a reason, right? And the reason why is because a lot of times they're going to surprise you with what they can do, right? You can't expect that they be consistent, but you can expect a lot of times for there to be something that you can use at a given time. Yeah. I think one of the things that I'm most impressive, you know, I'm most impressed with with Fall is his ability to t- t- to be able to play the ball with both feet. Yeah. I haven't seen that in a while from mm-hmm. anyone in Major League Soccer, especially across the back line. Right? You often see that the uh, the thing that you hate when people take that touch on their front foot as opposed to letting come across come across their body and before they touch it. Um, mm-hmm. he will do it regardless of where that ball's coming from, right? Yep. And and again, that comfort level with being able to play with both feet, you know, is is why he's been so effective in my opinion because he can pass, you know, coming back inside. You know, like you you can't really like force, you know, again, like to use a basketball kind of terminology, right? You can't force him left or force him right, right, to his offside. Yeah, and he either one is comfortable and he can make that pass, you know, make that pass comfortably. Um. You know, so I think that's his. That's why his body control looks so smooth when he's doing things. Again, I think what what gets him in the trouble is just more at this point. Again, probably a little bit of lack of physicality. You know, just needs to probably put on some weight. But then beyond that, it's just experience, knowing time yeah. and place when to get rid of it, do those little things that'll come with time. You know, I mean, same thing. Think do. about like the first time. Let's let's go back to American football, right? So you see Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, the first and second picks in the draft today, they come out and they throw a couple picks, right? It's because they don't understand how fast NFL defenders are, right? They have no idea that a corner who's on the outside is going to jump that route. 
or be able to even think about getting there. Um, and I think that's what you see when you see young defenders get caught out a lot is they think they've always been the fastest kid on the field and now they're not, and they just underestimate people a little bit. So they'll get there. They'll get there. All right. Next one. Juan Pablo Hernandez at wonderful. Glad the Bob out convo is downtrending at the moment. The soccer gods want LAFC in the playoffs. Josh Bob out. What's uh, I again, I I'm in right. I've, I've been sitting on the fence for a long time. I'm probably still there. I probably have one foot closer to out in the long run, just because again, you, I just, I have to wonder if he's going to be the guy that can unlock the full potential, right? I think he mm-hmm. does a lot of good things. He develops guys in a, in a very good way. Um, you know, I think the system is, I think the system generally is what, what they need. But I, 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 I just have to wonder if they need a different voice to take them to another place. Mm. Um, you know, because sometimes that's all you need, right? It's just like, you know, it's it's John Gruden coming in, you know, Tony Dungy, right? Great coach, and then but never really won in Tampa, and then all of a sudden Gruden comes in, right? That last one, and ends up win, you know, and wins the Super Bowl and makes millions of dollars off of that for the rest of his life, mm-hmm. um, for being generally mediocre for the rest of his career. Right, for saying spider to banana too much on TV. <laughs> uh, absolutely, right. But I mean, you know, when you think about it, right? Like, there, there's coaches that are just are kind of in that, like, they're in the upper echelon. But you just have to wonder, again, are they going to be that? That can they take it over the top? Are you saying right? Bob Bradley is Adam Gase? No, Bob Bradley like one, is like one season with Peyton like, Manning, and he's like Andy Reid before. Before he won. Oh, okay. Right? Like, he's, like, consistently in that top echelon of coaches, but you always wonder if he can really win it when it really matters. Mm. Right? right? He's, like, All he's right. not Belichick, right? For, for Major League Soccer, that's probably Bruce Arena. Right? Yeah. I don't know what Bruce Arena's tactics are, but he finds ways to win. I think he's a personnel master is what he is. Yeah. But, again, but that, that's, that's, that's the Phil Jackson. Right, mm-hmm. Belichick, those things like they, they know how to arrange. They put they know how to put the team together, and they'll find someone who actually knows what to do tactically. Yeah, right yeah. to make it work. Another plug for so. Phil Jackson's book Eleven Rings. Really good read for any of you coaches out there. Um, I better get a royalty check. Jonathan at Boozology. It took a brace and a little luck to beat this ref. Josh, what do you think of the officiating from Ted Uncle today? Oh, he's the worst of, of all the refs. He's probably him and uh, Marufo are my two least favorite mm. referees. I mm. prefer, you know, obviously Fisher is, is is always decent, right? There's a reason why he refs every MLS Cup, right? And every big game, Fisher's kind of be there. And then uh, Sabiga is the other one, I think. Sabiga, yeah. Does, Who's the super does, young does, kid? I don't remember his name, but I know who you're talking he about. He's pretty. He's pretty okay fair. too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the well thing about some of the young guys is they kind of they, they'll let things get out of control before. Yeah, a little bit too. They don't quite have the same much. amount of confidence in managing it. Yeah, versus like Sabiga, like you know, like persistent infringement is not a thing when he's refing games. Yeah, right? like or or he'll actually enforce it. Right, is what I mean. Mm-hmm. Versus right, right. Mm-hmm. some of the other guys will just let it drag on. You know, like foul, get they'll let it go for a whole half before they actually yeah. say something versus you know, like one time, don't do it. Okay. 
boom, move on. Yeah. Right. So I don't know. Uncle's What I will say good. about Uncle tonight is that uh when Duke Duke made a tackle on Everton Luis, who is uh kind of like Diego Chara light for me. Uh he doesn't quite he doesn't commit as many dirty fouls all the time, but he's still got that edge to him, and that's still primarily why he's around. He's like the heir apparent to Kyle Beckerman on on RSL. And he's just there to be a pest. And Duke fouls him. Now, it's not a hard foul. And Everton gets up and starts jawing. And for the second week in a row, Bryce Duke stands up and he squares up on a big time def- on a big time uh, star in the league. And Uncle comes over and just gives Everton Luisa an earful about it. And he reached for his pocket like he was going to threaten to yellow him there. But uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Next one, Fern Varela at the Mighty Fern. We're winning the MLS. Josh, chances of first making it to the playoffs and then winning the whole thing. I'm going to go 60% chance. 60% that LAFC can win the whole thing? No, to make the playoffs. Okay. (laughs) I was like, oh, man. No, I'm not that high on it. I mean, like... (laughs) I'm optimistic, but I'm not crazy. <laughs> oh man! Okay, okay, right. So I'm probably sixty. No, that's why 60, I'm so blown away. Yeah, sixty to sixty-five percent that they'll, they'll make it into the playoffs, and I'm gonna probably put it at like ten to one odds. Mm. Like, if you get there, like anything can happen, right? Great Berhalter made the final. Yeah, I, I'm just I mean, gonna keep teeing this up for the for the. <laughs> The end of the and they're kind of peaking. They're kind of coming it to a peak at the just the right time, right? Yeah, like Bob yeah. always talked about, it's it's a tale of three seasons, mm-hmm. and so if you can win September October, it sets you up nicely. The so, major question, though, is: Do we know? I feel like we have like we have a good handle on what's making them good, and the scary thing is, is there's a lot of people in that locker room that are going to expect to be back on the field that probably should not be back on the field in that same capacity. That's what worries me the most, I think. But yeah. we'll see. We'll see. But that's why, right. you play, that's why you pay Bob and Thornton, right? It's to figure those things out. Yeah, well, <laughs> they better. Um, LAFC, Kansas Midwestern supporters, we got to keep pushing it. Don't stop. Uh, I feel like this is as good as like in-game and from week to week. And the, the person that, again, I'm going to keep coming back to because they keep putting microphones in front of this kid and he keeps talking about it is Bryce Duke for the second time in an interview talks about the mentality shift and how there's, I, that like there's young talented kids that are hungry. Right. And, and it shows in the way that they're playing. So maybe they can answer the mail for uh, the Midwestern supporters out in Kansas. Next one, Juan Pablo Marquez at JP Marquez. It was another win without a DP, which should be highlighted, and another and another three plus goal game. But we can't rely on on goals, and we need to be more decisive both offensively and defensively if we want any real playoff aspirations. Other teams won't make those mistakes. Yeah, it's hard to see a back line in Seattle making that mistake, or like you brought up the the revs. Um, I don't see that happening. I'm just going to kind of fly through these. We're coming up on an hour here. Yep. The artist formerly known as Danny Ness, Josh. No, there's not much to say, but I have a smile on my face, Josh. I can see your face. Absolutely. You're kind of smiling right now. Yeah. 
I mean, like you said, always always better to come off with a win than a loss, even though there's usually more to talk about when we lose. Yeah, yeah. All right, next one, Trujillo Belico at Isoko Trujillo. Chicho is exactly as advertised without the stigma of having a DP to put the team on their back. Chicho has done it himself with no DPs around. Duke is out there having fun with the ball and fall had a few mistakes, but his hustle is unmatched aside from blessing. Agreed. Yeah. All the way down. This is yeah. why I'm the president of the, the fall uh, fan club. Yeah. We probably need to update our, our Twitter bio or Twitter bio. If we can get some pictures of a, uh, Duke and and fall. I maybe we should replace Bob in our cover photo. Mm-hmm. Saber fanboy at L Derek LAFC ref was bleeping against us so badly. We kind of talked about this, but dead uncle uh, Alexander Kazarian at Alex Kaz Law. Oh, Your Honor, who the hell are these players? I mean, they're. Pro- RSL is probably still trying to figure that out. So, yeah, I mean, again, I'm the. I think the mark of a, of long term success in MLS is can you win when you don't know who anyone else is on the field, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And how many times have you seen a Seattle do that, where they bring these random guys from the, up from the academy, and they still get take get points? So, mm-hmm. I, if if we're doing the same thing, then we're heading in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for all the questions. Um, do you have a few minutes to talk about some USMNT? Let's do it. All right. I'm not sure where to start on this, but I feel like I need to cleanse my palate after three years of nonsense. So if you don't mind a little miniature rant to start this off, Josh, I'm going to go ahead and take it. So we fired Bruce Arena after failing, or we didn't fire him. He had the dignity to resign. <laughs> after failing to, to qualify for the World Cup. We then set out on this more than a year-long search for a coach, and we settled on Jay Berhalter's little brother, who uh, was a national team player himself, began coaching, never really did anything while coaching, uh, except get fired from Hammerby for a lack of attacking prowess, and then backed his way into an MLS cup final, which he lost. So think about how bad LAFC has been this season. And think about the fact that Josh and I just talked about, there is a chance that they could still go to an MLS cup final. And then you don't know, like there's, you don't know what could happen. That's what Greg Berhalter did. That's like the credentials that were held up. And he came in and he gave, all these speeches and interviews about how he's going to change the way that we all see American soccer, how the world sees American soccer. And he kept repeating the same cliche that you hear all the time. We're going to use the ball to dis- to disorganize our opponents and create goal scoring opportunities. Well, surprise, surprise. It worked a couple times against Cuba and it hasn't worked against anybody else with any level of consistency. He did manage to get two good results. Uh, in tournament play this summer to his credit, but not playing what was not playing the brand of soccer that was advertised to everybody. And if, if that's who we are, if we're still set piece counterattack, defend like mad, then fine. Got it. 
But that better be what we see when we go into World Cup qualifiers away against El Salvador and at home against Canada. Um, and to be fair, it's finally what we saw in the second half against Honduras when it looked like all might truly be lost. But as hesitant as I am to say, Bob out, um, because I still think there's runaway there for him to solve all this. I am 100% Greg Berhalter must be removed from this program. Now, I say that knowing that they're not going to fire him because of the logistics required to get somebody else in and start World Cup qualifying in October. Uh, It's not going to happen. But this man cannot be allowed to be involved with this program any longer than he absolutely has to be. Josh, I yield to you. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure this podcast and our friendship started because of our mutual hate for Berhalter yeah. um, and th- and talking about this over Twitter. But yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where you, I will say like from a rec- recruiting perspective, right. He's done pretty well, right. I'll give him credit yeah. there. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, like if, if Ricardo Pepe continues to evolve and grow and become a, you know, the player that we think he can be, you know, in terms of having, you know, like that's a good, that's a good keep for the, for the team, right. That you, you know, I think you may have lost in previous years. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, same thing with guys like bringing guys like Musa, you know, and some of the dual nationals, right. We've lost some of the, and the ones we've lost have tended to be because they're probably just f- too far down the depth chart. Right. It's Ochoa like, and Araujo, we're talk- right? you know, like we're yeah. talking about Ochoa, but, again, he's buried behind a lot of these guys. Yeah. Right. And so, and so, you know, again, you have to wonder, right. Okay. Maybe from a recruiting perspective, he does really well. Guys seem to want to play for him, all these different things. But when it comes to, again, decision-making on the field, all these different things, he's basically like a low budget Bob Bradley, right. In, in the biggest games, like, and the thing is at least, at least when Bob set the team up in four, five, one, they did it really well, right? Yeah, like, and it was based on the personnel that he had available. Like Bob's system was designed the way it was because of the personnel that he had available to him. Mm-hmm. I think that's undeniable. And what yeah. Berhalter is saying is, we're gonna we're gonna teach you guys how to play possession soccer, which he does not know how to coach. He doesn't because his teams yeah. never score goals. <laughs> And this isn't well, uh, like, it's not, it's not just me saying, uh, it's not just some guy on a podcast saying this, like, just go look at the results. They speak for themselves. Uh, he does not know how to coach that. So well, anyway, the, sorry, I jumped yeah, on you there. No, I mean, I, but I think the thing is, it's like, and I think you have to cut, there's realities that you have to face when you're coaching in an international team, right? In terms of like, you have to look at what, what's your infrastructure, how yeah. are kids yeah. learning to play all these different things? And then you have, and then you have to say, okay, how do I put them into in a position to succeed? Right. And I think when you look at how things were before, right. Like you had guys that you, you know, you didn't have a lot of American players playing for, for teams that were creative. Mm-hmm. Right. The, and, and the only, you know, the only ones that were allowed to were Dempsey and Donovan, right. Yeah. For good reason. Right. And like, Donovan was, you know, destroying the league single-handedly, you know, you know, at the time. And Dempsey was doing his thing and making people look stupid in England. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you can give those guys that freedom, 
but then understanding that you know okay but we have a ton of good defenders we have guys that are going to you know are going to just you know like what's the cliche ml uh, uh extra time thing the midfield bite right yeah. like they have they have so that, much bite that, yeah right but that's that's all they really had before right was just yeah. midfield bite right and they would make you pay and they made it ugly but it was an identity this team doesn't still doesn't have an identity right and so while he you know like i said I, i'll give all the credit in the world because he's been able to make good you know he's been able to put together a good team right now you just have to wonder can he put together tact put it all together tactically and i wonder does it translate better to having a, a guy like bob whose personality is probably not one that you know it may grate on you for a little bit but at least you you leave it Right, like if you're coming in from the national team, you come to Bob, you're like, okay, I know, I you have a clear plan. There's easy going to execute it this way, da 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 da, and then you have to leave it. You don't have to stay around with him for any longer than you need to, right? Yeah. Versus, yeah. sometimes, like I said, my my qualms with Bob now is like, like, is he doing enough on the man management front to get the DPS and everyone to click? Right, like the guys that he has now, right, are all guys who are hungry and guys are going to give you 100 percent no matter what. When the DPS come in and they're not they're not happy and they're not playing hard that you you're going to look bad yeah. right which is why it's like you know like look at look at coaches that tried to coach you know del harris coaching shaq and kobe right look didn't look like a good coach mm -hmm. then all of a sudden phil jackson takes the exact same team and wins a you know three championships yeah right so that's where you know let's say i think given the circumstances i think bob <laughs> like you know it's it's you know there's there, there was after that the for the results, this you know international results, right? You saw a lot of you know we want Bob back on the national team. Then you have obviously some pushback from you, like you know how bad Bob was at the time. But at the same time, I think when you look at the grand scheme of things, he, like I said, Bob was dealing with a whole different situation. I, to me, I feel like he puts them in a better tactical position to succeed minus the part where he actually has to get along with guys in the long run. I think he, he yeah. can do it in a way where he can set up to succeed and see you later, go back to, to your, your, your club coaches and then they can deal with the, the personality stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. If Berhalter is a great man manager, that that's certainly a, you know, a, a positive form, but Ultimately, like you could have the happiest team ever that doesn't qualify for the World Cup and, or, you know, or does poorly in the World Cup once you finally get there and it's just not good enough. Um, what I will say is he was bailed out in a big way by the emergence of Ricardo Pepe, which I assume he had a hand in recruiting. So, again, kudos there. But this is a guy that you had on your bench for 180 minutes as your team struggled to get anything going at all. And you tried with Sargent, you tried with PFOC, and just this revolving door of players. He tried putting Dest on the at left back again, and he looked awful again because you can't left back and right back are different positions. I, I know that people don't don't think that, but just because they're both called fullbacks doesn't mean it's the same. You have to like you you have your dominant foot in a different position as you're defending with a different line on the sideline. So it's just, it's a very different position to play. Um, man, I, the whole Weston McKinney thing, which again, uh, if I, if I, as a 
young Marine Lieutenant would have had one of my Marines do something like that. You can guarantee that I would be standing tall in front of the Colonel too. Um, so I don't, I don't really have a whole lot of sympathy for, uh, people who are called great leaders and great managers that can't control their, their people. Uh, ultimately the most responsibility falls on McKinney's shoulders, but, um, but I, I do, I do blame him for that as well. So, uh, I am, I am 100%. You got to get rid of him. That's you got to find the right time to get rid of him. And you absolutely cannot keep him past this world cup cycle. If that's what you decide to do to keep him till then, but man, he's, he's terrible. Yeah, I mean, like, it's hard to disagree with anything you just said. So, especially because we, I've been on that train for the, the since he started. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I got that off my chest. So, you can follow the show at counterpress underscore. You can follow Josh, LAFC Josh on Twitter. You can follow me at Kirk Kinsey, and we will talk to you all next week. I think we got Austin coming up, right? Yes, sir. All right. We will see what happens then, and talk to you after the game. Good night.